Hey, Ravi, uh, this is Kuli here. So, listen, I, I just sorry to, 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 to bring this up. I should have told you ahead of time. But anyway, I did have a couple questions uh, because, I mean, I, there's a lot to talk to you about. So the most important thing that I wanted to make sure that uh, I include some folks, and uh, there is a, a laboratory student. Her name is Danielle. She goes to uh, Bridgeport here in uh, Connecticut, and she was very interested in uh, some clips that I posted uh, uh, of you and made her watch them on YouTube. But she sent me this pic. She sent me uh, a lot of questions, but you know, uh, typical kids, you know, they, 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 they stretch this thing out. They want every question answered. But anyway, I'm just joking. So she, she said that I'm only going to give you a couple of those questions because there are a lot of things to talk about with you. First of all, she wanted to know that uh, w- w- what is your educational background? Uh, where did you go to school? What were your main areas of focus and interest? And uh, I can understand she's asking as a biology student. And another thing she wanted to know, Fusha thought it was interesting to me. She said, um, um, you also said antibiotics kill the body's good natural bacteria. So is there any other alternative to some antibiotics treatment or ways to prevent so much of body natural bacteria, bacteria flora? And her name is, is Danielle. Danielle. Both are excellent questions. But Danielle, I actually am a, what I would call a jack of all trades. I studied liberal arts in college and then ended up in the financial business and then I decided to move into health and uh, rather than go and get myself an educational qualification in health, I decided to write a book. I think the best way to learn about a subject is to write a book on it. Wow. Mm. So that's mm. what I did. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's pretty cool. <laughs> once I did the research and wrote that book, then of course um, you then um, you know, orient your life into that fashion, um, into, into health and wellness in my case. And then the second book was a result of, uh, of my, um, uh, you know, several more years of research into nutrition. Then during that same time, I started growing my own food. I set up an organic farm in India and a, and a farm to table concept in, uh, in Hyderabad in the southern city. We're still the only farm to table restaurant in, in that city. Yeah. Where we're experimenting on, on the healthy, organic, naturally grown food and how do we, uh, you know, make it nutritious for a while. So we're doing pickling, we're making cheeses, we make amazing, uh, you know, kombucha, such a fermented food, you know, for foods, fermented mm-hmm. drinks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we are really uh, trying to, to, uh, you know, educate uh, kids and, uh, and their parents on the benefits of eating a much more a naturally grown product because uh, what science is now showing is that pesticide residues are really, really harmful to humans. Mm. And uh, we're starting to see a lot of that in the food. And uh, that is also part of uh, the reason why there's so many more chronic conditions and even cancers that have grown, that have increased in the, in the world today. So I think it's very important for us to go back to the basics and to look at more ecologically friendly ways of growing food, but also more stomach-friendly ways of growing that food. Yeah, that makes total mm-hmm. sense. It, it does, because when you look back at old times, they didn't have all the stuff that we're using right now, and it absolutely seems like life expectancy might have been a little bit higher back then, and then we took a step backwards thinking we're taking a step forward by simplifying things and hot pockets and what's the quickest way, you know? So really, that's such a great nugget that you shared with our listeners 
that it starts from from when these kids are young. What are we instilling in them as parents? We have all the tools out there, you, your books and all that research. So that, thank you for addressing. And I believe Danielle had two questions, right? Right, Kuli, she, she, uh, what was the second uh, one about the, what are the alternatives to bacteria, um, the antibacterials, uh, taking antibiotics, uh, I think yeah. she asked. Sure. I mean, look, I, I don't want to completely demonize antibiotics. I think if you actually look at the, the history, antibiotics have saved hundreds of millions of lives. Yes. Uh, because they helped us pretty much wipe out infectious, uh, pathogenic disease on the planet for the most part. They've also, the other good thing that antibiotics have done for us is that they've made surgery possible because without antibiotics, your yeah. outcome from any kind of a complex surgery would be very bad. You know, most people would die from surgery if you didn't have the antibiotics. So we have to give them that place. They have a very important place. The yeah. problem is the abuse of antibiotics. You know, when you go to the doctor and you have a common cold, which is a viral infection, and the doctor wants to just, you know, give you something which they call a prophylactic, and they just give you an antibiotic. And that is exactly what I'm against because that's, you're literally setting off a, a stick of dynamite inside your stomach when you do that. And you, wow. You're going to have a very, very, very different, um, you know, um, gut flora. I mean, things will settle down, but you just don't know what, what is going to, uh, what you're going to end up with. And, uh, and people who pop these antibiotics like their peppermints, I think, are making a really bad mistake. And, uh, this is, uh, that's where the education comes in is to say that look antibiotics are not bad you just shouldn't use them for the most part mm. nine out of ten prescriptions for antibiotics are unnecessary only ten percent of the time there is an infection that needs antibiotics mm. and that's because the, the body's strong you know when we think yeah. of of all the injuries we accumulated uh, growing up and how quickly those things healed up without some of the medication that nowadays Junior gets a small injury during soccer practice and all of a sudden he needs to be on antibiotics. And doctors are very quick, and this is where I guess the conspiracy theories can come up, that it's all a money scheme, you know, there's pharmaceutical companies that benefit from all this stuff. So it, it is pretty interesting when, when I, I love the fact that as much as you have good factual information as to why we shouldn't abuse them, you are not taken away from the credit of what they've done. I have certainly have been somebody who's been prescribed antibiotics myself, so I do appreciate that in you explaining. Um, I have a personal question of my own, Kuli. I, I do have to ask this, and it relates to cow dung. Um, you, you did a TED Talk where I mentioned earlier you did such a great way of explaining, and it was amazing to me because in South Africa, uh, when I was young, I was too young at the time, I didn't get to partake, but I know that cow dung was used in some way as a product in the household. Can you elaborate a little bit about the use of cow dung and how it is beneficial to whether it be your home? And, and you explained it very well in that, tech, in that TED Talk, but tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. You know, the, the, the basic rule in uh, nature is that nature abhors a vacuum. Nature doesn't like things that are empty, uh, particularly surfaces, kitchen surfaces, or you know anything else um, mm. you know around us. It, everything, all empty surfaces are filled up with bacteria. And the good thing about cow dung is that uh, the bacteria in cow dung, and all dung is about 25% bacterial content, and the cow dung has uh, something called E. coli, but it has a strain of E. coli which is completely harmless to humans. As long as the cow is being fed, you know, normal food, like yes, uh, grass-fed, mm -hmm. yeah, grass-fed mm -hmm. cow, not animal, 
Yeah, as long as you're not feeding the cow animal products, you know, mm-hmm. which they do in, in America, unfortunately. Yeah. But a naturally raised cow and a naturally fed cow, the dung is actually completely harmless to humans. So what happens is that when you take the dung and you use it in the in the household, I mean, and, and typically it's the poorer uh, homes that do that. They just you know, plaster mm-hmm. it on their walls of the house or on the floor. But what you're doing there is you're creating an environment full of harmless bacteria, which then prevent potentially harmful bacteria from coming in. Mm. And the idea here is that it's not just about counting, it's the process, you know, what we're doing. We're filling a surface with harmless things so that harmful things can't, uh, you know, can't get on them. And this actually is an idea that I had that I think works even in the operating theater because, you know, the, the biggest source of infections these days are actually hospitals. Um, most, so quite a few people acquire these superbugs or these hospital-acquired infections because there is a constant pressure in the hospital to keep everything clean, sterile, clean. Yeah. Particularly mm. in operating theaters, right? And they have they have a good. It's a good thought because obviously you need that kind of an environment in in hospitals and in um, and in, especially in operating theaters. But the question to ask them is this. Does sterile mean the absence of bacteria or does sterile mean the presence of very friendly bacteria and very harmless bacteria? I would argue the latter. I think we need to borrow a leaf from the old folks, you know, from this old folk wisdom of using cow nut mm-hmm. homes and mm. re-educate ourselves in hospitals to say that, look, we should not try and go for a complete sterile environment. What we should go for is an environment filled with harmless bacteria. Because that is a much more sustainable way of uh, of of uh, creating a hospital or operating theater environments, and mm. if only we can come up with bacteria that are, you know, and there are plenty. I mean, there's lots of bacteria, for example, on your skin. They're called nitrogen common cell bacteria. They they live on nitrogen, mm. and they have no interest in entering your you know, your bloodstream or uh, entering your body. And if you could bottle that and spray it across in a hospital, uh, you know, operating theaters and in rooms. What you would have is an environment completely filled with you know, bacteria that have no interest in entering your body. And so that would create just as good an environment to operate in or for or for, for hospital patients to be in uh, without the problems of of uh, sterility, which is you, uh, you have uh, bugs evolving resistance to antibiotics. You have bugs uh, that are become stronger and stronger because of the chemicals being used mm. in uh, these places sterile. Uh, and then the problems caused by the chemicals themselves. I mean, things like bleach and sanitizers cause huge problems, uh, particularly things like bleach. Bleach is a huge neurotoxin in the human body, and if you, when you come into contact with it, either on the skin or through breathing, you develop massive, massive amount of neurological dysfunctions. And uh, so these are the things that we, we need to reevaluate in terms of how uh, some of these products are used. Check out Umbani Radio Podcasts on TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. 